You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, Mike McDaniel, Michael Lee McDaniel the 14th head coach in the history of your Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins got their guy. How you feeling? Mm. Yeah, that's probably about the reaction that I think most of the people that have been watching the show for a long time understand would have expected you to have. Not all fired up, huh? You're not fired up? I mean, I, I said it like when when they fired Flores and in the the list of names came out as far as the guys that they were looking for. None of the guys really excited me. Uh, that said, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second, brain. We got a I got a message for directly for you because you are not fired up. I have a message directly for you to you from the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel. Check your pulse if you're not fired up. That's it. Check your pulse. Check your pulse if you're not fired up, Brain. It's just directly from killed, the man's mouth. This team killed me a long time ago. <laughs> uh, look, I, I look of the guys that they interviewed, that they were looking at, legitimately. Mike McDaniel, to me, was the only one that moved the needle. So uh, I'm happy about it. I think it makes sense from a football standpoint what like what he is as a coach stylistically, what they're trying to be as an offense, what they have as far as their personnel. I think it makes sense. I don't know if it's a good hire. I'm not in the, the interview room. I, I don't know what what his you know pitch is and what his uh, presentation was. Suppose he was blown away. Does anybody really believe that uh, any coach that they would have hired, they would have come out and not said, "Oh, we were completely blown away." So I don't know how much to take from that. But that said, look, this is a guy that's been uh, described as a football prodigy, a football savant, uh, a great communicator, a player's coach. I like all those things, but it's just lip service. It doesn't mean anything. And we have no idea what he's going to be as a head football coach. Uh, so I, I don't want to be one of those guys or one of those fans that, is just going to listen to all of the good things that are being churned churned out there by the Dolphins media uh, and their PR team to just completely buy in to this new head coach. Because, I mean, look, we've been down this road several times over the past two decades. When, when Tony Sperano came in and the, and the team made it to the, to the playoffs in his first year, we were pitched, well, he just completely changed the culture. He completely changed the culture, and now we are this tough, disciplined, smart team. And then we proceeded to suck for a couple more years until he got fired. Then Joe, Joe Philbin came in, and it was going to be, well, now we're going to be a little bit more cerebral. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a different approach. And 
I don't think anybody really bought into to Joe Philbin at any at any point. But then Adam Gase came in, and Adam Gase was the offensive guru, and he was going to fix Tannehill, and and they were going to bring in all these weapons and the offense, which had been you know essentially what it is now. But for the previous fifteen to twenty years, he was going to change that, and the Dolphins were going to have high flying offense. And even we made the playoffs in the first year, and the offense really still kind of sucked and was basically doing it on the strength of their running game, everybody kind of bought in, said, hey, Adam Gase obviously knows what he's doing. And then we all know what happened to Adam Gase. And then we did it all over again with Brian Flores. I didn't do it all over again with Brian Flores. But the Dolphins fans as a whole, whether it's Dolphins Twitter, Dolphins Media, whatever it is, were all so starved to find the next Don Shula that any coach that comes in and has any modicum of success, we're all ready to crown him. Um, I'm not ready to do that. I like what I, what I see and what I hear about Mike McDaniel. I like the fact that he's from the Shanahan coaching tree. I like the fact that he's basically coached under the Shanahan's for his entire football career. And he's risen through the ranks and he's gone with them everywhere that he's gone. I think that that bodes well. I think, you know, what you're getting from him stylistically and schematically, and you know that that can work. And I think, you know, that that can work with a quarterback with Tua's skill set, and you don't need to have this physically dominating offensive line because we know that the Dolphins haven't had a good offensive line since Tony Sperano was here, uh, you know, almost 15 years ago. So the, the fact that you can actually have a really good running game without having this physically dominant offensive line, I think that is a good sign. Do I love the process that it took us to get here where we're telling the the incoming head coach that, I mean, maybe we're not dictating that you have to keep the, the same defense, but we're strongly, you know, saying, hey, we like our defensive staff. We like where our defense is at. We don't want you to touch it. We we don't care what you think of it. You, you have to use our quarterback. Do I think that that's the best process to get yourself the best head coach? No, I think that's an awful process. But if Mike McDaniel ends up being a great head coach, then they, then they will have lucked out. Yeah, I, I, think, th- I think that's a fair assessment to, to be there. I think I don't know that there was anybody the day that Brian Flores was fired that was sitting there pounding the table for the Dolphins to hire Mike McDaniel. I don't believe that that was the case. Uh, The name came out pretty quickly afterwards when we started to hear the list of candidates and that he very quickly sort of became the hot name um, on the circuit. But I think a lot of people and both of us included, and we talked about this on our own show. uh, We we did. We talked about it with go time dolphins. We talked about the fact that we were looking for the dolphins to bring in a veteran, somebody that had done this before, at this level had been a head coach before, uh, but they, they didn't, they went this, they went a different route. A lot of the candidates we really liked, they showed no interest in and Mike McDaniel, it, it appeared from fairly early on was their guy. I mean, it really at one point felt like it was Mike McDaniel and Brian Dable. And those are the two guys and Kellen Moore got that second interview, but it really felt like it was between those two guys. And then as soon, as soon as uh, Sean got that job uh, with the giants as the GM, it felt like predestined, that Dable was going to end up in the Giants. And so then Mike McDaniel was going to be the guy. And so we have him. And I think it's a fairly, I think it's a a very fair thing to do to be happy that the Dolphins now have their coach and we can start to sort of get on with the, with the off season because there is much to do. And we're going to be talking about that today on the show, but at the same time, you know, you're excited, you're happy about that, but you're, you're not drinking the Kool-Aid. You're not freaking out. Listen, I, as a joke, on Twitter shortly after the news broke that the Dolphins were going to be, <laughs> we're going to be hiring Mike McDaniel. I repurposed my reaction video uh, from two years ago when the Dolphins drafted Tua that they didn't screw it up video, right? Where I'm, I'm, I'm about 70 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I'm I'm pumped. I was pumped about that Tua draft pick. I'm less enthused about it now, but whatever. That that's water under the bridge, um, but the <laughs> but I put that I put that out there as a joke, and I'm getting 
people coming at me like I was I seriously was like losing my mind. Like I was that excited over the head coach hire. They didn't screw it up. They didn't screw it up. I mean, whether they screwed it up or not, we're gonna find out possibly in short order, hopefully not. Hopefully we find out in short order that they didn't screw it up, but uh, we'll, we'll find out as we, as we go down the road. I think a fair thing to do though, is to sit back and say, okay, they hired him. So now we've got some questions and we're going to ask those questions while we are here on the show today. But before we do that, a reminder that if you are not doing so already, we invite you to subscribe to the same old dolphin show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcast, you can subscribe to the same old Dolphin Show. So we invite you to do that. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. We appreciate it very much. So thank you in advance for doing that. Thank you to everybody that has done so already. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so yet, we appreciate you as well. But we'll appreciate you a little more if you do leave us that five-star rating and the positive review. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And of course, every episode of the Same Old Dolphins show is available at dolphinstalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. And we're going to be coming your uh coming at you with a lot of different stuff from dolphinstalk.com in the days and weeks and months to come, even as we go through the offseason. So make sure you're checking out dolphinstalk.com each and every day throughout the course of this offseason and then the season beyond that. So, okay, brain. So the Dolphins. They have hired Mike McDaniel. And I think the the big question, right, the big question that you got to start with, and, and, I, and you have to believe that this is why this guy was hired to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. The big question is, can Mike McDaniel fix, and I'll put that in quotes, can he fix Tua Tungavailoa, and more importantly, can he fix the Miami Dolphins offense? Yeah, so I don't think it's about fixing Tua. I think Tua is who he is. Can he grow and get better? Yes. Um, and I think that what's going to help him grow and get better is having an offense that plays to his strengths uh, and takes some of the onus off of him. And that's what Mike McDaniel, the Shanahan offense, is going to bring because everywhere that the Shanahan's have been where Mike McDaniel has been, they've been able to run the football and they haven't needed to have a household name at running back to do it. They haven't needed to have a dominant offensive line to do it. What they've needed to do is they've had good tech. They've, they've had good offensive linemen that fit what they're trying to do schematically. They have fast running backs that can hit the hole hard and and create big plays. And they have fast receivers that can make things happen in space. And if you have an accurate quarterback that can hit those players in stride and get them the ball in space, big plays can happen. So you're taking advantage of to a greater strength as the quarterback is his accuracy. He's also mobile, so you're taking an offense that is going to rely a lot on play action and moving the pocket, something that we were dying to see the Dolphins do more of this these last two years, and they really did very little of. So I think that's going to play to his strength, but most importantly, by being able to run the football, by being able to stay ahead of the chains, and by keeping defenses honest, you can give yourself more of an opportunity to create some big plays in the passing game, and you don't need to necessarily be relying on Tua to carry your entire offense. And so is it going to fix Tua? Is it going to change Tua into this whole new quarterback? No, but it can build an offense around Tua that can be a very good offense with Tua as the starting quarterback. And that's all we really care about. We don't need Tua to be a Hall of Famer. We just need this offense to be good enough to win a Super Bowl. Right. That's the. That's all. That's all we need. That's all. We, all we need is to win a Super Bowl. Can no, you we do just that need for the offense to be good enough to win a Super Bowl. I mean, every other team in the league seems to be able to get there for at least a stint. Now, can they put it all together? Have a defense that's able to win a Super Bowl and then have the luck and everything? Okay, that's a whole other argument. But. The Dolphins haven't had even a good offense. That's true. I mean, 
since what, like 96? Because I mean, let's, I want to say since Dan Marino, but like, let's be real. The, the last few years of Dan Marino, this was not like when Jimmy Johnson was there, this was not a good offense. So this, this hasn't been a good offense in about 25 years. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some moments there with the, that. I mean, consistently, I think is probably what you you say, because there were moments there. I mean, that year, that 2008 with, with Pennington and then the Wildcat. Oh, the that, Wildcat. Yeah. That offense I was mean, good. Luke. I mean, it was good. I'm just but, saying. I mean, Chad Pennington was, I mean, Chad Pennington was good. He was accurate. But I mean, really, everything in that offense was built around them being able to run the football and they ran the football because of the Wildcat. And then the league caught up to the Wildcat and all of a sudden their offense sucked again. Yeah, and then we uh, roasted under the sun and lost the playoff game. Remember that? That was a good time. Um, that's what we do if we get to a playoff game nowadays. Seems like we lose it. But let's go. Let's go on for the next step from fixing the offense. Listen, if we could get to a playoff game, that would be, you know, step one. Uh, but when it comes to fixing the offense, I think there's a lot of talk about which players in this offense right now are going to be pieces of the offense that stay. And I think, I think particularly when you look at the offensive line, that is a big question because I mean, when it comes to fixing the offense, we all know one of the biggest things that this offense needs to have fixed is the offensive line. It's been atrocious. And, you know, I don't know that Mike McDaniel is going to come in with the solution to fix it, but maybe just maybe he will. But the other part of the question is, what pieces of this offense are going to stick around with Mike McDaniel and which are going to go? Because I think there's, there's some guys like when you think about, when you think about a player like Jalen Waddle, obviously Jalen Waddle is going to be a huge piece of this offense going forward in this Mike McDaniel system. I mean, he's, he's a dynamite playmaker, but you know, are you, are we so sure that Devonte Parker is going to be a big piece of this offense? What about Mike Kosicki? Mike Kosicki is, is proven to be a very good slot receiver, but he has not been a very good kind of blocking tight end. And is he going to be able to be that kind of physical force that Mike McDaniel is going to call upon his tight end to be? Uh, do what are the dolphins going to do when it comes to the running game? Uh, you know, they've got, Miles Gaskin, they got Duke Johnson, they got Philip Lindsay. Are these guys going to stick around? You know, these are these are the questions. And are there are there going to be players that come in? I think one of the things that you've got to feel good about when you look at Mike McDaniel is that this is a guy that every offense that he has worked with has succeeded. So he's got a pretty good track record. And some of these, you know, he's got he's got the track record of having of of escorting quite a few quarterbacks to their best year, a lot of really great a lot of really kind of quarterbacks who you don't think of in the, you know, hall of elite quarterbacks. I mean, most recently he was working with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I think he was, he was part of that big offense in Washington when, you know, RG three before uh, Griffin got suffered that bad knee injury that really kind of just destroyed him as a player. But before that injury, I mean, he was a really impactful player in an offense that, Mike McDaniel was involved in, uh, you know, he had a positive effect with, with Cleveland when he was with Cleveland and obviously with, with Atlanta. I mean, this is a guy that he's got a pretty good track record of turning offenses around. And the thing that I like about it is that he didn't necessarily do it with like hall of fame guys, right? It's like, like, you know, Adam Gase, everybody was talking about, this is the guru. This is the guy, but he largely came in on the strength of the performance that Peyton Manning put up when he was in Denver and the same thing with Joe Philbin, Joe Philbin kind of was writing the success of Aaron Rodgers, and he comes into town and, you know, we saw what happened. Mike McDaniel has done it with, you know, with the exception of Matt Ryan with a lot of just kind of, yeah, I mean, I, don't know, I, I guess RG three was, was a pretty, was a, was a pretty impactful stud quarterback at the time. But I mean, for the most part, these are not like elite, elite, elite top shelf guys that McDaniel's done it with. So it's got to bode pretty well for what he's going to be able to do with the dolphins. Absolutely. And I, I think it just goes back to the, the Shanahan offense where it's, it's just going to, it all is based around the outside zone. Um, so they're going to, they're going to run the ball a lot using the outside zone. The, the, to me, the big question is, is what does this offensive line look, look like? Uh, under Mike McDaniel because 
it is a completely different philosophy in the types of players that you're looking for on the offensive line. Under Flores, it was all about getting the just huge mauling offensive linemen. It didn't matter if they were super quick or athletic because we weren't going to ask them to be pulling all over the place or moving laterally. We were just going to ask them to beat their guy at the point of attack. That's not what this offense is built upon. This offense is built upon offensive linemen getting to their spot, beating, making defensive linemen run and getting them and using their leverage and their position to create space for your running backs. Uh, and then, and, and so, you know, I'm looking at this offensive line, this offensive line of the Dolphins and Liam Eikenberg, I don't, I don't know if he's a great fit, uh, honestly. Um, I know that Solomon Kindley obviously was not part of the, the, you know, the Dolphins starting unit this year, but was a big piece the year before. I know that he's not going to be a a piece of this offensive line really going forward. Jesse Davis, I know is not going to be a piece of this offensive line going forward. Thank God. Thank yeah. We're all breathing. Jesse Davis career with the Miami Dolphins. Finally, finally, please. Can we move on from Jesse Davis? It's That's one less turn style for the, like, like, we got the turnstiles outside hard rock stadium. We, we, we can get the, the turnstile off of the offensive line. Sorry. I, I get triggered by Jesse Davis. The guy that is the most inter- – I, look, I think Robert Hunt is our best offensive lineman. I think there's a, a spot for him no matter who the coach is, no matter what scheme you're running. And I think this scheme is going to be good for him because I think he's just in general a good offensive lineman that can kind of fit in any scheme that you need him to. But Austin Jackson. Oh. Because oh, – This is a take. This is a take. Let's go. Let's go. I, 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 I like this I, take. Look. I don't know if he's going to be able to cure Austin Jackson in pass protection, which is the biggest problem. But Austin Jackson, the type of player that he was in college and the tight and the, you know, the athletic profile that he has of being this super athletic and big offensive lineman that could get to the second level in the running game. I and but isn't overpowering. I actually think that Austin Jackson could have a career rebirth under this scheme. Now, the question is, is he going to play tackle or is he going to play guard? I think he's, you know, I I think that comes down to whether he can, he can function in pass protection as a tackle. Um, But from a size and athleticism perspective, I actually think that Austin Jackson is a great fit for what they're going to try to do offensively, uh, but they're going to need to bring in some more guys on, on the offensive line. And then other than the offensive line, you know, you, you, you touched on wide receiver. Uh, Waddle is a perfect fit for what they've got here. I know somebody in the chat mentioned Lynn Bowden um, and that might be, be the case. I mean, look, Bowden was an exciting prospect coming out. Really haven't seen anything of him. Um, he he was hurt all this past year. So I don't know if, if Lynn Bowden is a, is a piece of the puzzle. But I'm going to tell you this much. I'm not banking on Lynn Bowden coming in. If you're banking on Lynn Bowden going into the season, that's a problem. So um, Devontae Parker, I still think, can fit into this offense, even though I don't think he's this – you know, tremendous fit. Um, so I think he's a guy that the Dolphins are going to try to move on from. But I also think that he's valuable for who he is as a player, for what his contract is. And so I don't think that he's a guy that you just jettison for the sake of jettisoning because it's no. not even like he saves you that much money. Uh, so I just think you need to you need to continue to build in those two areas. And I think what's probably going to c- – Take, you know, piss off the most Dolphin fans when it comes to this hire is that for the last two seasons, you know, Mike and I mean, Tom Ernesty, <laughs> I love him. Tom's been screaming at the top of his lungs that the Dolphins need to need to need to invest in a running back and draft a running back in the first round. And I know a lot of Dolphin fans have been echoing that sentiment. I don't think it's going to happen with this coaching staff, because if you look at the Shanahan coaching tree, I mean, look at, look at, look at what 
uh, Mike Shanahan did in Denver with the likes of Olandis Gary and Mike Anderson. And you wonder, like, Terrell Davis, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but he was also a six-round draft pick. Right. How much of Terrell Davis's success, when you consider the guys that came after him, really had to do with that offensive system? And you, and you continue to look down the line, whether it was Clinton Portis, whether it was in San Francisco the last four years with Matt Marina and Keen Moster and Elijah Mitchell, just Debo Samuel. Every Jermichael. single year, it's a different guy uh, that, that is leading the, this offense in rushing because it isn't about the running back. It is about the system. And so you need to have the guys, you need to have the prototypical running back for the system, which are fast, explosive, shifty guys, but you don't necessarily need to get that in the first day or even the second day of the NFL draft. And you certainly don't need to spend big on it in free agency. Now we're just a couple weeks removed brain from a lot of people on Dolphins Twitter saying the Dolphins should throw the bag at Isaiah McKenzie. What would you think about the Dolphins bringing in a guy like Isaiah McKenzie? Especially the in bag this at him? Well, I, I say throw the bag. You know, they just want to make sure you lock it, lock the guy down. Well, I'm not throwing the bag on him. Um, I, you know, you throw the bag on him. Like you throw the bag, you put Jesse Davis in the bag and you throw him out on the curb with the rest of the garbage. Right. Yeah. And then you've got an extra bag that you can toss over Isaiah McKenzie's head and you steal him. You oh, know? so you're stealing Isaiah McKenzie. You're not yeah. paying big bucks for him. Yeah, and then the and then the Bills hire Liam Neeson to come after us to to get so they can get Isaiah McKenzie back. I think Calvin Ridley is still a really it's good an, fit if he's an interesting if, guy. If he's you know, if he's a hundred percent bought into football. If he's in the right headspace, sure. Yeah. Um that's you know, we you can you can debate that 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 we could spend a whole other show on whether or not it'd be worth it to to spend big on a on a guy that you're not a hundred percent is you know into playing football. Um, I personally, I think that you spend the money you, you spend the draft capital. I think you look at what this the what the Dolphins have as far as draft capital and what they have on this roster. The biggest question to me on the offensive side of the ball is tight end. We'll get there in a second with Gesicki and what they're going to do with him. But I think you need to try to lock up as much of the defense of players that you have on this roster so that you don't have a lot of spaces left to fill on that side of the ball so that you can focus almost your entire draft on offensive line and weapons. Yeah, I mean, and that's what—that's kind of what we're, what we're, where we've been for the last year. I, I can tell you right now that there are some free agents that I want to see the Dolphins throw some money at. And I mean, listen, Brendan Scherf, Brendan Scherf, there's a guy that we need. Um, we need to, to bring in a guy like that. We need to bring in a guy like Teron Armstead. We need to bring in a guy like Dwayne Brown. We need to bring in some veteran offensive linemen. And I think the Dolphins. They've got the cap space. They're going to need to spend to bring in some offensive linemen. And I know that like even a guy like Teron Armstead, he's got some injury concerns. But I, I think we're at a point when it comes to veteran offensive linemen. The Dolphins aren't really in a place where they can. I, I mean, you take it into consideration, but I think they're, they're probably in a place where they're going to be willing to risk it a little bit more with players like that based on where they've been over the last few years. Now we're going to probably do another episode, um, you know, throughout the off season talking specifically about players that the Dolphins should bring in. So I don't want to go too far down that road, especially because we've got some other questions that we need to ask regarding this team here uh, in this off season. But before, before we do that, before we ask some more questions, we got to talk about our good friends. That's right. Our good friends at manscaped because there's nothing like the nfl playoffs which are almost over it's basically super bowl time move over bills mafia it's time for balls mafia 
with our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. They're here to remind you that the recipe for success in the playoffs or the Super Bowl, if you will, is to protect your franchise quarter balls, which is this is not some of the best verbiage that the Manscaped people have come up with in the past. In the in 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 their history, their illustrious history, but the road to the Super Bowl is never easy. But the road to your Super Balls is just a few clicks away. So go over to Manscaped.com, use the promo code Dolphins Talk, and you can save twenty percent off and get free shipping on their excellent products like the Lawnmower 4.0. Get their Ultra Premium Body Wash, Two-in-One Shampoo Conditioner, all of their great products, the Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver. They got everything over there at manscaped.com. And as long as you use the promo code Dolphins Talk, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping. So it's it's worth it. You want to go over there and get yourself all taken care of. Get yourself manscaped so that you and your partner will be in really good shape. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code Dolphins Talk. When grooming your most sensitive areas, why play in the wild card game when you can just take the safety of a first round buy? With Manscaped. Love a good Manscaped read, you know? Anyway. Balls okay, Mafia. We'll talk- B- Balls Mafia. That's right. We talk about the Super Bowl. Who you, who you like in the Super Bowl? Just think uh, on that. We'll come back to it at the end of the show. We got more Dolphin stuff to talk about before we talk about the friggin' Bengals. Uh, so, one of the other things that we've heard in recent day was that right after Mike McDaniel was hired, we heard this rumor that started going around that perhaps Mike McDaniel might try to bring in Vic Fangio to come in and be the new defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Of course, we know that the the word was out that Chris Greer wanted to keep much of the defensive staff in place and try to keep that staff together because they felt like that defense is, is in really good shape and was pretty close. No, no disrespect to Josh Boyer, but he is not as good as Vic Fangio. I think Vic Fangio can take this Dolphins defense to another level, but that's only one piece of the puzzle. Can Mike McDaniel also bring in, can he bring in offensive coaches? Can he fix this offensive line? Can he hire an offensive line coach that is capable of having the offensive line play as a cohesive unit? These are the questions. So, Are there, we talked about players coming in and going out. What about coaches going in, coming in, going out? Vic Fangio. I mean, surely you'd be in favor of Vic Fangio being the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, right? Sure. I mean, we, we talked about it when we, when, you know, before we even knew who the head coach was going to be, we talked about, well, if they're going to bring in a young offensive coach, which we knew that that was kind of the direction that they were leaning, a first time head coach, you know, somebody whose specialty is on the offensive side of the football, then you need to bring in a veteran defensive coordinator to stabilize that, you know, that side of the ball and also have a, you know, a, not necessarily a mentor, but somebody with experience, you know, towards the top of that coaching staff with some say. Um, personally, I would have, I would have, my eyes went to Wink Martindale um, when I saw that, you know, he was let go. And, uh, you know, obviously, stylistically, when you look at what the Dolphins do, under Ryan Flores, a lot of man coverage, a lot of blitzing, a lot of three-man fronts. I, I thought that was a natural fit and also a veteran defensive coordinator, but also a guy that maybe is not, you know, ha- has kind of the reputation of being somebody that might be a little bit harder to work with. So I can kind of get why maybe he wasn't their first choice. The thing that's interesting about Vic Fangio, who I have no problem with, his, you know, a you know, a whole career of being a great defensive coordinator. And I think a guy that uh, is probably not going to be uh, getting another head coaching job anytime soon. So you have the chance of getting a a steady defensive coordinator that you can build around and you have stability there. Uh, I like that a lot. The thing is, I think you're going to be changing a little bit stylistically with a Vic Fangio because he is a guy that, uh, you know, 
you know, historically has been more of a, of a four man front, a four, three. Now maybe in his later years, he's, you know, developed a little bit more multiplicity to his defensive concepts and the defenses that he runs. But I think you're going to see a more traditional, uh, you know, rush for defensive game plan. And so if that's going to be your strategy, then I think, you need to have more pass rushers and you probably need to bring in uh, more linebackers. You probably need to bring in a legitimate middle linebacker that can play in a four, three, or you need to get multiple linebackers uh, that, that can kind of do what Jerome Baker does, which is, you know, it's hard to do all of that and address the things that you have on the offensive side of the ball in just one off season, which is why, look, it's not going to take one off season Dolphins become a Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, Vic Fangio is a proven defensive coordinator, a veteran defensive coordinator, so I have no problem with that. Um, and it would make a lot of sense. And if you can keep some of the guys that they have on that coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball working under him, I think that level of continuity, especially with the defensive line and the secondary, uh, I think that's a good fit. Um so I don't have a problem with that. I'm more concerned with what he's going to do on the offensive side of the ball because yeah, this talk is the other that. piece of it is that Mike McDaniel, everywhere he's been, has been a great offensive mind. In the last few years, has proven that he can be a great offensive coordinator. But when you are when you move when you move from offensive coordinator to head coach, your responsibility is now no longer solely on the offensive side of the football. And we saw Brian Flores have that exact issue over the last few years is that while he was a great defensive coach, he came in and he had no idea what to do on the offensive side of the football. And he so much so that he completely lost sight of it and the Dolphins offense tanked. So what happens when Mike McDaniel has Please greater don't use responsibility the word tanking to in, the whole in, team? In, who, who is his offensive coordinator? Who is his quarterback's coach? Him building a staff that he believes in, that he can let them do their job and then they do their job well, that is a huge piece of this puzzle that really isn't being talked about. Right, and I think that's something that we need to look at. And who is going to be the offensive coordinator for this for this Dolphins team? I don't think he's going to leave George Godsey and Eric Studisville in 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 place as the offensive coordinators for this team. I would be very very surprised. I would I would think he's going to bring somebody in, and and who that is remains a question. Is he going to bring in a guy who was the quarterbacks coach in uh, San Francisco? Is he going to bring in former Miami Dolphins legend Wes Welker? to be the offensive coordinator for your Miami Dolphins? That is a question. Um, I'm curious about who that's going to be. Um, do you have any thoughts on on who Mike McDaniel might bring in as an offensive coordinator? I, I really don't. I don't know the landscape of quarterback coaches or offensive line coaches to the point where I can really form an educated opinion on who the Dolphins should bring in as an offensive coordinator. What I'm going to say is, is like, you know, this is Mike McDaniel's, this is Mike McDaniel's team now. And if they go out and they bring in a veteran defensive coordinator and they keep much of their defensive staff, then and, and we know that that's something that the Dolphins brass that Chris Greer was pushing for, then the one thing that we can judge this offseason is the staff that Mike McDaniel puts together. And I'm not going to sit here and jump to a conclusion and say, that was a great move, that was a bad move. That was, we're going to play the results because it, look, they could hire Wes Welker as the offensive coordinator tomorrow, and you're going to get a bunch of people that are like, this is a brilliant move. Wes Welker is a heady guy. Not to mention, how dare you? you? How dare you? Not to mention, you know, the, the racial part of that, um, that a white player, you know, automatically is a heady guy and that makes him a good coach. We're not going to go deep into that, but I thought you were um, making a joke about his dark. But, but the, the bottom line is, no matter who the Dolphins pick, do we really know how good of an offensive coordinator they're going to be if they've been a quarterback coach somewhere or an, or an offensive line coach somewhere? No, we're going to find it out in year one, in year two, in year three, how good that hire was. But ultimately, it's Mike McDaniel's responsibility to get those guys and be able to build the staff that he trusts that he's not firing within two days of training. 
Yeah. And I think that's another interesting part of all of this, because as good as Mike McDaniel may be as an offensive mind and as a football mind, he has never been the guy who's been calling the plays. And that is one of the biggest questions that is out there because he's never been calling the plays. So is he going to hire an offensive coordinator and have that person be the person that calls the plays? Or is he going to be calling the plays as the head coach of the team? Either way, whoever's doing it is probably going to be doing it for the first time. And so that is something that you have to wonder about. And I'm not saying that it's going to be bad necessarily, but it remains a question. And I think it's a, it's fair to be a little bit apprehensive about that. And, and no matter how good the offense might be when it is designed on paper, it may be brilliant. And we've seen it be executed in a way that is brilliant. Um, but at the end of the day, it also matters that you call the right play at the right time in the right moment. And that is, that is its own that is its own question that I think is going to remain a question uh, for for a fair while. And we're going to find out once this season gets going whether or not uh, Mike McDaniel is, is capable of making that happen. So, listen, there, there are a lot of questions out there surrounding Mike McDaniel and, and how he's going to do the job. At the end of the day, I think I think a lot of people are really excited that Mike McDaniel is going to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins because he's got a personality. You know, you, you got a lot of viral clips of him doing press conferences and, and giving the reporters the, his two cents. And, you know, he's got a little witty joke here and he'll fire off a line over here and a zinger over there, right? He's good. He's good like that, right? He's a, he's a, he's a cool guy. He's hip. He's fun. Um, he's going to make the, the press conferences are going to be much more interesting to watch. And that's really great. And, and by all accounts, he's a very good communicator. One of the great, one of the things that we've heard from a lot of the players and coaches that have worked with him before is that they, they've talked about what a great communicator he is. And though that is all really well and good, but that ultimately is not going to be what determines whether or not he is a successful head coach. It will certainly play a part. His communication, his ability to motivate players, all of that is going to play a part, but ultimately can he organize the coaching staff, organize game plans, both offense and defense, and put it all together and turn the Miami Dolphins into a winner and, and lead them to something, right? Because here's the thing. Mike McDaniel is walking into this team with expectations that day one, this team is a contender. Day one. That's the thing. And, and it, it, that was made perfectly clear when the Dolphins, when Stephen Ross did not fire Chris Greer, he fired Brian Flores, but he kept Chris Greer. And he, he made all of the things that he said about Brian Flores. We're going to talk about Flores in just a moment. But the, 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 it was said very clearly that this is a Dolphins team that is here and ready to win right now. And we need a coach that is going to be collaborative, but take this team and allow them to win games and be a contender immediately. So Mike McDaniel comes in with that expectation. A lot of other head coaches, they come into new jobs where there's new GMs and they've got time to sort of get their footing, right? Brian Flores started. This was a team at ground zero, right? It was, it was, going to build it back up and you had, he had time to establish himself. Now, Mike McDaniel, he's not getting that grace period. He's going to have to come in immediately, immediately be the guy to go out there and lead this team to victory. Now, maybe if the, if he doesn't lead the team to victory right away, maybe Chris Greer gets the ax, but as soon as you bring in a new GM, you're looking at the question of whether or not this head coach who is here is still going to be the head coach. So there are a lot of expectations fairly or unfairly on Mike McDaniel as he comes in. And I, I think we're all excited to see how he does because all of us have the same, the same hope and dream that one day the Miami Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. Ideally in our lifetimes, right? Is ideally the thing really the Dolphins have been to one Super Bowl in my lifetime. They've been to zero Super Bowls in your lifetime, Brain. We've talked about this, right? I, I mean, one of my earliest memories as, as a kid is the Dolphins getting, you know, their heads 
hand caved in by the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. So maybe this is it. Maybe the 49ers give us Mike McDaniel and uh, the Dolphins can turn that into something. So any any last thoughts on Mike McDaniel here, Brain, before we, we, we turn the page and uh, get some of your feedback on this other story that is flying around uh, behind the scenes? Well, we didn't really talk. We kind of touched on Mike Gesicki, I think, and and we'll talk about this more in in coming weeks. Uh, But I think he's going to be one of the more interesting decisions that the Miami Dolphins have to make, especially now that Mike McDaniel is the coach and he's this bright offensive mind and he's coming from a team where he, you know, he had Kittle and he, he, you know, Kittle had, you know, took that tight end position to new sites. And a lot of people see Gesicki in the same light as a Kittle. Think he's as good as Kittle, but um, you know they 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 the, the natural place to go. Is you bring in San Francisco's offensive coordinator. You've got Mike Kosicki, and now Mike Kosicki turns into George Kittle. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that simple. Uh, but and and personally, the that Kittle is. Yeah, and personally, you know, prior to them making this hire, my thought was I would rather in looking at the guys that are on the roster that they have to make decisions on this offseason, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, whether or not they want to extend Christian Wilkins this season or wait until he becomes a free agent, a free agent after next season, I would prefer them to lock those guys up and make them. them a higher priority than I would a tight end who's one of your five tight ends who is good – but isn't even, you know, hasn't produced at even a Pro Bowl level uh, and plays the least important position on the offensive side of the football, say for maybe running back. Um, But that said, if Mike McDaniel comes in and, you know, look, he, he had this whole presentation. He met, you know, Mike McDaniel has an opinion right now on what he wants to do as far as Mike Kosicki. Does he feel like Mike Mike Kosicki is an integral part of his offense here in Miami? Because if he does, then he's probably going to lock him up, and he's probably going to pound the table for him and say, look, he probably already did. He said, look, I, I want this job, but I want Mike Kosicki here. I don't want to take this job and then lose one of my best offensive weapons. But if he looked at it and he said, I could – you know, I like Mike Gesicki, but I don't think we need to, you know, I don't think we need to give Mike Gesicki the bag, so to speak. We and, and we could rather distribute those funds on offensive linemen and wide receivers and use the fact that we drafted Hunter Long last year in the third round and some other ends that we have on the roster and say, we're good with that and we can get more bang for the buck uh, by spending that money elsewhere. That's what I think he's going to do. But if if Mike McDaniel says, I want Mike Kosicki here, then you're going to bring Mike Kosicki back. I think it's a very interesting part. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks when we get really into the offseason and the draft and free agency and all of that. Yeah, much much to discuss. Uh, here's a comment that I wanted to share. Um, this is from, from Bob Oliver. He says, hopefully this guy doesn't come in with the ego the last three coaches had. I think that's that's fair comment. And hopefully he does not. And then, and then, uh, Palumbo, Michael Palumbo says, is it me or do I question anyone who would agree to work with Ross and Greer? And I said, and I said, I mean, that's a great, that's a great question, but uh, you know, somebody was, there was a lot of discourse about before the, the hiring was announced about whether or not the Dolphins head coaching job was an attractive job. And I half jokingly, but also half seriously said, Actually, I think all the nonsense that's going on off the field, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, actually makes the job more attractive in that if you come in here as a potential head coach and you fall flat on your face and it's a failure, nobody's going to blame you for that because look at the shit show all around you. However, if you come into that environment and succeed in spite of the shit show all around you, that is going to bode really well for you. So it was, it's a half serious statement 
but also a half sarcastic statement, but I think it's, and it's an, it's an interesting way to look at it, but let's take a look at the, the, the shit show, if you will. And basically this is a question from Richard Solis on Facebook. He says, question, could all of this change if the Flores lawsuit versus Ross and the NFL takes place? Well, the lawsuit has been filed. It's a civil suit and we we're not going to get into the entire thing. Um, listen, I, I, all I'm going to say about Brian Flores' lawsuit as it pertains to the big picture of his lawsuit is I, I would encourage everybody to check out the last two episodes of the Go Time Dolphins podcast with Kadeem Simmons and Charlie Touche. Um, really good, smart episodes of their podcast discussing what the civil lawsuit is all about and why you should listen to what Brian Flores has to say about that, regardless of what you think about him as a person or his or the, the case that he's making. I think it is a good idea for you to go and sit and spend a couple hours listening to those two episodes of the Go Time Dolphins podcast, because I think they both Charlie and Kadeem, I think, do a very good job of handling that subject in a way that is I think very informative for most people who are, especially if you find yourself wanting to push back against Brian Flores, I think it's even more important for you to go and listen to what they have to say. But anyway, I, I wanted to give the brain an opportunity to respond specifically to the allegation that Brian Flores was offered a hundred thousand dollars per loss by Stephen Ross now, and, and what that might mean for the Miami Dolphins as they go forward. Flores' civil suit had a bunch of different angles, but specifically he accused Stephen Ross of saying that offering him $100,000 per loss, which calls into question the integrity of the game and a lot of other things. And so I, I, I guess I want to give you a chance to respond both to those allegations and to talk about what you think those allegations and the NFL's investigation of those allegations might mean for the team going forward. So, Brandon, I'm going to hand it over to you. Take it away. Yeah, well, I, look, uh, the, the key thing here is, are they going to be able to, are they going to be able to prove it? Um, because Brian Flores says he's got proof of it. And if he's got proof of it, then that's that's huge. But if he doesn't have proof of it, then then it doesn't really matter because they'll just deny it and deny it and deny it, and nothing will nothing will come of it because if you don't prove it, you don't prove it. Um, but if they prove it, then obviously it is huge. You're you you're getting paid, you know, incentives to lose football games. And I know I listened to uh, your, you know, your show with, that you did with Mike and with Tom and, and with Kadeem where you parsed the words. And I know that that's what the lawyers are going to do where they're going to say, well, just because we said you get a hundred thousand dollars per loss doesn't mean that we said you're, we're paying you to lose games where, you know, maybe that's just a No, come on, come on. Like, let's be real here. If if that legitimately happened, if he if, if he legitimately said, "I'm giving you a hundred thousand dollars per loss," I don't care what the lawyers say. Use your use your common sense. He was getting paid to to lose football. He's getting incentivized, but less than a winning product on the field as a way of trying to ensure the first round uh, of the number one pick. He also goes as far as to say that, that Chris Greer and Stephen Ross were upset at their success at the end of that year because they, you know, blew the, you know, their opportunity at having the number one pick. And granted, I understand that frustration. I wanted the Dolphins to lose games. I wanted them to get the number one pick. But at the same time, I wanted them to do it the right way, which is you're still trying to win, but you lose. And then you get the and so that's why organizationally what you're supposed what you have to do is that, that's on Chris Greer. I mean, Chris Greer, if he really, really wanted to not 
you know, to have the number one pick, why the hell did he bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick? You're going to blame Brian Flores for playing the better quarterback? Well, why not blame the GM for bringing in a halfway decent quarterback if the goal all along is to win zero games? Just play Josh Rosen. Boom. You've got your number one pick and you've got Joe Burrow. You're taking it out of Brian Flores' hands because now you're giving him Josh Rosen and uh, Brock Osweiler as his quarterback options. You know, was Brock Osweiler the other quarterback on that team or was that the year before? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whoever, whoever the hell they would have had at quarterback that wouldn't have been Ryan Fitzpatrick and would have ended up with the Dolphins having the number one pick. But I digress. If it's proven, at the very least, we're losing draft picks and we've got draft capital and this is not going to be something that the league takes lightly. And the league, people will say, oh, well, this happened to this coach. This, this is the precedent. No, when the, when, the, when the league has something that happens once and they try to make a penalty and they make a penalty for it and then it happens again, the league's response is, no, okay, then the penalty wasn't harsh enough. We need to double down. That means Dolphins could lose a first-round pick over this. That's huge for a team that's been collecting draft capital like it's gold and is trying to build this thing through the draft. It could also be the greatest scenario in the even Ross tenure as head coach, in which case the NFL decides to do not unlike what the NBA did with the Los Angeles Clippers and take the team from Stephen Ross and force him to sell. And then the NFL has to approve who the new owner is, which means it doesn't go to Stephen Ross's boy. It means it goes just to another person, another higher bidder, somebody with an outside voice who might actually care about this team enough to not just make it a weekend hobby. That is the dream. I think it's going to be hard to prove. I don't think they're going to prove it, and so I don't think anything's going to happen. But we can hope. As Dolphin fans, I think if there's one thing that we can all get on board with is the hope that no matter what it is that makes it happen, if we can get Steven Ross the hell out of the ownership title, oh. that's going to be a win for this franchise. I can't tell you. I got, I got all emotional listening to you talk about getting rid of Steven Ross and the NFL forcing Steven Ross to sell the team. Oh, got emotional. Got emotional about it. Yeah, I think I would I would tend to agree with you on all of those things, Brain. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that question here. Comes to us from YouTube. By the way, this is from John Winnie on YouTube. If you are not subscribed to the Dolphin Sock YouTube channel, you need to go fix that right now. Head on over to YouTube. Go to the Dolphin Sock YouTube channel, hit subscribe, turn on notifications so you're notified every time we go live. We appreciate that very much. More and more people are doing that, and we're going to have more of these throughout the offseason. So make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to this video on the Dolphin Sock YouTube channel. But from John Winnie on Facebook, he says, any word on when the Mike McDaniel press conference is? And I've honestly, John, I've been checking, I've been checking Twitter throughout the show here because uh, as we're recording, as we're broadcasting live on Monday night, Mike McDaniel is at the Dolphins facility. So I'm I'm awaiting any kind of news at any time. I imagine it's probably going to be sometime Tuesday or Wednesday that they'll have the official press conference with Mike McDaniel. And I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they're going to do that because I can't imagine that Steve Ross and Chris Greer are going to be very anxious to get out in front of a room full of reporters, given everything that is going on off the field with them right now. So I'm very curious about that, but no news on that yet at this point. So we're waiting to hear about that. Um, uh, somebody I saw, what was the other, there was another Dolphins question out there that I saw a minute ago and I, I, I lost it, but, um, yeah, I think I we'll, we'll come back to it. Maybe we'll catch it next time. I apologize. I missed the question. But again, this is all the more reason why you need to be watching the show live on YouTube and Facebook, the I Am a Miami Dolphins fan Facebook page. Uh, make sure you're watching live because you can participate and ask us questions while we're here doing the middle of the show, which we really appreciate. We got a 
well over 100, 150 people watching us live here on, on the YouTube stream this evening, which is really fun. And we appreciate every single one of you. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. We'll appreciate you that much a little bit more. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much going to wrap us for this show. Brain, any thoughts on the Super Bowl coming up? Have you thought about who you like? Where are you going to put, where are you going to throw your money on the Super Bowl? Well, when I've taken my attention uh, briefly away from the amazingness that is the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which is just amazing. Is that like Mormon housewives? Um, so one of them was a former Mormon. One of them is a Mormon. And then you have this other one who basically is a cult leader. Um, one former Mormon. Say that 10 times fast. One former Mormon. One Mormon, one former Mormon. And a Mormon mixer. <laughs> Shout out Nobody to the gets that joke. Nobody gets that joke. If anybody Shout out to our joke, dad, put it in the comments, um, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll get you like a we'll, we'll uh, I don't know. I'll, we'll give you a follow on Twitter or something. I if you get that um, but, joke. But when I when I've stopped watching the Housewives enough to to indulge in some some breaking down of the of you know, this upcoming Super Bowl. Uh, the more I've thought about it, I really think it's going to be uh, a culmination for uh, for Matt Stafford and Agreed. for Sean McVay. I think the Rams are going to win. Um, I, I think the Rams are going to win big, too. Uh, look, I, I don't want to keep betting against Joe Burrow because that dude is the truth. But I just think one of those teams is significantly better than the other team. And I think the Rams are a complete team that has slowly been slowly, but surely been kind of putting it together. And it kind of reminds me of what the Dallas Cowboys were right before uh, their Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl with Buffalo, Mm -hmm. where they were a good team. They finally got over the hump, but they hadn't kind of quite hit their stride and then they played this game against Buffalo, who was a legitimate contender uh, against them, and they completely blew them out of the water. I think that's what it is. I think this is going to be the first time – what was the last Super Bowl that was a blowout? Would it be the Broncos and Seahawks? Was uh, that the last one? I think last year was kind of not a not a very close game. But, was it, but wasn't, uh, wasn't it the um, – the Broncos pretty much ran away with Carolina, didn't they? No, I mean, that was a close game into the fourth quarter, and they kind of put it away early in the fourth quarter. So um, I mean, which but was, as far as I kind of like kind of similar to to what last year was, but you kind of kept up hope because Kansas City had Patrick Mahomes, even though Tampa Bay had pretty much dominated the whole second half of that game. Uh, I kind of get the feeling that this might be like like a twenty point blowout. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, if it. Aaron Donald going to eat on Sunday. That's for sure. All right. We got one more question. Comes from YouTube. Comes from Garrett Grimes. He says, is Zach Thomas going to the Hall of Fame this year? He deserves it. I think, I think, I think so. I think he deserves it. I mean, but I'm going to say this because I, you know, we just had the baseball Hall of Fame thing was just announced and, you know, they got a lot of people upset about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens not making it in. And I'll say this. Does he have to go in? Like, will it will it ultimately matter to you as a Dolphin fan and your love for Zach Thomas? Will your love for Zach Thomas be adversely affected if he does not make it into the Hall of Fame? Will you like him more if he does get into the Hall of Fame? That's all I'm saying. I, I think it'd be a really cool honor. It would be really great. And I think I think he is certainly deserving of the honor. But I'm a love 54, no matter what, whether he sure, gets in. That's, or not. Yeah, sure. But that's not the point. I mean, the, the point is you're going to love Zach Thomas no matter what. But when you love somebody, you want to see them get the respect that they deserve put on their name. And the highest honor is him being in the Hall of Fame. And when, you, when you've got other guys like Brian Urlacher in there, as basically like a what a first ballot guy, yeah. I mean, 
You've got to get Zach Thomas in there. Otherwise, you feel disrespected. As a Dolphin fan, you should feel disrespected that Zach Thomas isn't already in the Hall of Fame. And if he's not in the Hall of Fame this year, you should continue to be disrespected. Is it going to make you love him any less? Oh, hell no. But you want the respect put on his name, and that can only be done by getting him into the Hall. Put him in there. Put him in. Put him in. And it'll be great. We'll have Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame. And then put Rob Conrad in the Hall of Fame. Just because. Just well, because, because we're gonna... he, he saved that. The, what, he like swam like 10 miles in the ocean to save hey, that. Yeah. That... And you know what else? You know what else? You know, Rob Conrad would do really well in a Mike McDaniel offense, I feel like. We need Rob Conrad to come. Hey, Rob Conrad can be your offensive coordinator. Sign him up, baby. Bring in number 44. Bring him in. Let's go. 44, Syracuse baby. Zone, Rob Conrad. I got to get go. my old, uh, you know, uh, Rob Conrad authentic stitched embroidered Dolphins jersey out. Oh, man. If Mike, if Mike is still watching this, if Mike from Dolphins Talk is still watching this, he guarantee got a pop out of him when we when we drop Rob Conrad's name, hundred percent, absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. We hope you had fun. Uh, again, download, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate it very much. Make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Turn on notifications so you're notified every time we go live. There are going to be more of these throughout the offseason. Now, finally, the Dolphins have their guy so we can begin the process of getting into this offseason and evaluating the talent that we have, evaluating the talent that is going to be available in free agency, and we can start making some things happen. Because, you know, it's like they say, there is no offseason in the NFL, and now that the Dolphins have their head coach, they can officially really begin that 2022 season. So I am fired up. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We will see you. We don't know when the next episode of the show is going to be at this point because we're in the off season. So these episodes are a little bit more sporadic, but we'll be around. And when news breaks, we will be here to talk about it. Rest assured. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Bring back Conrad.